0: In today's show, I'm looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Brooklyn Nets. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it is the whole game. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets What an interesting team. They were for fantasy for at least a few players and then a pretty barren wasteland after that. But there's still lots of things to talk about with this squad, which of course lost in game seven to the Milwaukee Bucks just a couple of days ago. In the second round of the NBA playoffs, let's have a look at uh, at how things looked for this squad during the year, 48 and 24. They were the two seed in the Eastern Conference. They had the best offense in the NBA. No surprise given the players that are on their squad. 23rd in defense, which is a bit of a surprise given the players on their squad. You'd think they'd be like 30th, but 23rd in defense, 12th in pace, and they do hold four upcoming picks in this draft. 27, 44, 49, and 59. Now, 49 and 59 aren't really anything useful. 27 and 44, maybe they can work something with that, but this team's not gonna be built off the back of draft picks given where they are and after the moves that they made in acquiring James Harden during the regular season. Of course, injuries are probably the biggest story for this squad during the year, losing Harden, Durant, and Irving for multiple games during the season. And of course, having a hobbled James Harden and an absent Kyrie Irving during the playoffs, probably ended up sealing their fate. So while it's disappointing to see a team with these players, well for Nets fans, for sure, a lot of people will be pretty happy, but it's disappointing as a general construct of this team to see them go out in the second round of the playoffs. They're not going to be coming back and going, well, we need to do so many different things now because you know, if they had a healthy Harden and a healthy Irving for you know, that series, they probably would have won it. So it's not a matter of... It's not a matter of we need to make wholesale changes. Maybe it's a matter of maybe we don't play 37 minutes a night of these guys during the regular season. Not that that contributed to Kyrie's ankle injury. It possibly did to Harden's hamstring. And just more management there to have those guys healthy during the playoffs. I think that's got to be their biggest focus and then finding the right parts and pieces around them. In terms of free agents... Um, a couple of interesting ones there. Spencer Dinwiddie, the number one there guy. He is a he had a player option which he has declined, so he will become an unrestricted free agent. There is zero chance that he is back in Brooklyn. He might be signed and traded, but he will not be back in Brooklyn next season. It would be my guess. Um, we'll talk about Dinwiddie a little bit later on, but he could very easily and very well should be a starting point guard on a team next season. Tyler Johnson, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, Timotei lawawu cabarro they are all unrestricted free agents. I would imagine that Griffin is back. I think Green is probably back as well. They were key parts to this team. Ideally, I'd want other players to play some of the minutes that they did. But on this team that is going for it the next year or two, then Griffin and Green can produce good backup type value. And I think they'll be able to come back at pretty low salaries. I don't think Tyler Johnson returns. Timothee with cabra I'm not sure he'd be a priority either. One of the other priorities, though, of course, is going to be the shark. Bruce Brown. Baby shark, doo, 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 doo. He's a restricted free agent. He was a massive piece for this team. He was sort of in and out of lineups and rotations as Steve Ash chopped and changed all season. But he was massive. For this squad, and I think he's going to be back. He's going to make 10 million a year, I would guess, as a restricted free agent. Um, probably more, probably more like 12 to 13 million a year. Yeah, 40 million over three years is not outrageous for the contract I see Brown getting. If he gets anything less than that, I reckon it's a pretty good deal. Uh, Mike James and Reggie Perry also restricted free agents, along with Chris Chiotza. Uh James, it was an interesting backup option behind Harden and Kyrie, but really, you bring him back to be an insurance policy. Uh, ahead of a chiozza obviously, but insurance policy with Dinwiddie gone and Harden and Irving, you're yeah, going to be missing time for sure. Yeah, James is an interesting guy to bring back. Well, Perry was okay. Thought he did some interesting things as a backup big man as a second round pick, but again, not the highest priority player. Alizé Johnson has a non-guarantee on his deal. I think they'll bring him back. He showed some pops and flashes and we'll talk about him a little bit more as we, um, as we move on during this show. But... What I do have to tell you about now, which I know you're all waiting for, you'll want to hear about Manscaped because support for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for my listeners. 20% off and free shipping with the code LockedOnFantasy at Manscaped.com. Manscaped sent me their perfect package 3.0. I got my lawnmower 3.0. I got my weed whacker. I got their other little things, the crop preserver, the crop reviver, the ball deodorant, ball toner, just to stop the little stickiness down with the, uh, the old fella downstairs there and getting that lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It's got a nice little light on it. So if you're shaving in the dark, I don't know why you would be, but if you are shaving in the dark, you can really get in there. But maybe it's just an area where there's, maybe something down there is casting a large shadow and you need, to, need a little bit of a light to get in in there to see exactly what you're doing. Manscaped and their LawMower 3.0 has you covered. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com and your balls will thank you. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use that code LOCKEDONFANTASY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Um. Bet online, It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, NBA, NHL, we're all going. We're all at full tilt at the moment, and you can get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs at BetOnline.ag. Before the next tip, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today using our promo code Locked On, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's now move on to talk about players. The first player we're going to talk about, and you know when I do these players, I talk about who ranked the highest in um, per game fantasy value. And for the Nets, it was actually James Harden. A guy that was the number one player for many, many years. Uh, I was still pretty happy to take him at number one in drafts. And he ended up as the third ranked player on a per game basis. He played 37 minutes a night, which I think has to come down. He averaged 52 fantasy points, which is good for fourth. Um, His best category was almost 11 assists per game. He averaged 25, 8 and 11 with 1.2 steals. His worst category, his worst category was was 47% from the field. That is how elite James Harden is. His worst category was basically an average number, and that's 47 from the field, 86 from the line on seven attempts. The usage dropped down to 28%, but still able to maintain elite fantasy numbers by hitting threes, scoring, rebounding, getting assists, getting steals, getting blocks, getting free throws. Like just an absolutely elite fantasy beast. He is about to turn 32. There is going to be a drop off. I wouldn't want to pick him at one probably in this next season, as Obi jumps up and, and knocks down my microphone. I wouldn't want to um, I wouldn't want to take him at one uh, coming up into this uh, into this next season. But look, he's still going to be quite good. Now the hamstring problem is obviously an issue, and as someone gets older. They are more prone to these soft tissue injuries. So I don't think we can expect Harden to be the absolute workhorse that he's been for so many years. I do think that maybe the minutes drop a little bit, and I do think there will be some injury risk. Should he fall out of the top five? I don't think so. But again, he's 32. In a dynasty format, how are we looking at Harden long-term? I think there has to be some concern that the next two, three years, in probably three years, he's outside the top 10, I would guess. That's where he sits because yeah, those minutes will come down to 33 a game. The scoring will fall off. The assists might still be high, but you won't see him getting to the line as much, I, I would guess. Um, and it's going to be something to monitor as well across the league with the new change in the uh, drawing fouls rule, which is going to impact him and someone like Trey Young quite a bit and drop one of their best categories in terms of free throw volume on high percentages. So that is absolutely something for us to watch. Harden, again, he was obviously really, really good this season all of his all of his advanced numbers are great he's great at 1 on 1 good shooter passing absolutely elite stuff from Harden that's just it's what he does really he's just is that good of a of a passer and a fantasy player and we've seen that for years and years and years with him and all the advanced stuff loves him yeah massive lebron rpm raptor you can see it all there if you are watching them the video on the screen there his scoring stuff is really good. His yeah, per possession fantasy production is through the roof as per usual with most of those categories and yeah, nothing even below 50th percentile in the NBA. So he is just an absolutely elite fantasy player. And I think we all, we all know that and we all respect that about James Harden as if you can not like his game as much as you want, but we all know that he is absolutely superb in terms of uh, in terms of his uh, fantasy production over the over the years. Well, he has been superb over the years. Now let's talk about Kevin Durant because Durant was actually amazing this season. I don't think there's any getting around that. He only played 35 games, 33 minutes a night. he averaged 46 fantasy points. that's good for 11th. He's not as good in points leagues this year as he was in categories, but fourth ranked player in category leagues on a per game basis. He averaged 27 and seven with five and a half assists. He's historically always a low steals guy, so I had 0.7 there. 1.3 blocks on 54 and 88, shooting 45% from three. That's 66.6 true shooting. Giggity. I don't know why I giggityed 666. I, I just lost my mind there for a second. Sorry. Um, but that is that they are elite, elite shooting numbers from Kevin Durant. Now, I was rightfully scared of drafting him in you know that early round two phase, because guys coming back from Achilles injuries, you ha- have to have that concern. His production wasn't the problem. It was the fact that he couldn't stay healthy, which I do think is somewhat of an artifact of that Achilles surgery. And I would be pretty hesitant, even though, again, he finishes a top five player. I wouldn't want to take him in the top five and maybe not the top 10 because I just think, again, he's a year older than Harden. He's going to be 33 next season, Durant. He was amazing. Amazing in the playoffs as well. But if he plays 40 games, 50 games, and I think there's real possibility, and I'm not someone who's like, oh, this guy's injury prone. You know what I'm like with that. But old players coming off an Achilles injury with multiple soft tissue injuries like Durant, I have to be concerned about it. It's so like, if you have a consistent knee issue, now he could come through and play seventy-five games. Like, he could really do that, all right? He's not just going to be rested in back-to-backs. Like, it's just not going to happen. Through, the, they're not going to consistently do it every back-to-back next season. I don't think that's a problem. But at his age, his medical history, um, his injury history this season is is going to be an issue for where Durant sits in fantasy drafts. I don't think you could, I don't think you could argue that. Yeah, I don't think you could argue the contrary to that at this point. We know that he's elite in so many different areas as one of the best scorers, if not the best scorer in the entire NBA. You know, Post work, uh, perimeter work, passing's improved. He's just an absolutely special player. Like it's as simple as that. There's no denying that. All of the advanced metrics unbelievably through the roof. The defensive stuff, he, he's not as good as some make you believe he is defensively, or so, as you might see. Like, oh, Duran, he's this all-defensive level defender. He's not. He's probably above average, but getting those blocks from a fantasy perspective is is unbelievable. And look at how good those numbers look over there. And his scoring numbers, it's all just A's pretty much across the board in in all situations. A true shooting of 67% is just, honestly, it's a flabbergasting number for a guy at age 32 coming off an Achilles injury. You just don't expect to see that, nor should you. And nobody should expect anyone coming back from Achilles to do that as a regular thing. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving now, who, like Harden and Durant, was awesome. The sixth-ranked player in category leagues, Kyrie was. I don't think anybody... I'm generally higher on Kyrie than most people, but I didn't expect him to be that good. He played 35 minutes a night, 54 games, 45 fantasy points a game, sixth in category leagues, 15th in points leagues. He averaged 27 points, much the same as Durant. Five rebounds, six assists, 1.4 steals, 51, 92, and 40 from three. That's the 50-40-90 club. True shooting, 61%. These are elite numbers. His best category being his scoring and then his free throws. But interestingly, the steals went way up for Kyrie. Um, But he's been a pretty good steals guy for the last couple of seasons. I think that probably goes under the radar. He used to be like a 1.1, but now 1.4, 1.5. It is a big difference for steals. And that is impacting his overall value. His ADP was 25. People were really scared about drafting Kyrie. I was very much big on drafting him mid-second round. I I was all over drafting him. I didn't expect it to turn out this well. And, of course, he missed games. I also think that Kyrie is one of the most maligned players in the entire NBA. And I think the narratives around him are absolutely insane. Um, and I would have no hesitation in drafting Kyrie in round two next season. I don't care that he missed time for for personal days. I I, I do not care at all. Um, obviously, you yeah, missing 18 games is not an ideal scenario. I wouldn't just be penciling him in for 18 games. He, he didn't really suffer too much in terms of injury until that ankle injury, which, uh, what can you do about that? Like, that's just shit that happens. It wasn't his knee, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't his shoulder, which are recurring problems. Um, I would have no hesitancy in drafting Kyrie in round two next season. I just think he was that good and I think he's gonna be that good. Uh again, he is how old is he? He's twenty nine, he won't tune thirty until the end of next season. So yeah, you know, a lot younger than the other two. And he was just he was just excellent. Like that's as simple as that. Unbelievable scorer, unbelievable shooter. Um, passing numbers, they're not as good just because he's playing alongside James Harden and Harden's the point guard and, and Irving is the shooting guard now. But really good uh, usage and, and true usage and all those numbers there, extraordinarily high for Kyrie. Um, the advanced stuff, again, it, it all really likes him. Defensively, it doesn't like him as much. Interesting, RPM has him rated pretty highly as a, as a defender, but LeBron and Raptor have him quite low. And I think that's fair enough. That's probably where he sits. But as a scorer, just absolutely elite, putting up really strong fantasy numbers again, and to have three players from one team in the top six of a per game basis for categories is insane. Now, some of that is boosted because they didn't really play together all three all that much. And if you look at it on totals, you'll see their numbers drop quite a bit. But it's still a remarkable situation to see three guys ranked out high. Now, the Nets would love for Kyrie Irving to have played in that second round of the playoffs. But the NBA playoffs are still going. So our road to the finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And hopefully, the Nets fans, they're able to push even further into the playoffs next season. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know the Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? I'm sure you do. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, you can just buy a mixed box. There's 18 bars in that box. There's nine flavors and you get two of each. So you get, you get to try coconut and cherry and raspberry and salted caramel and all of those great flavors that are there. And these bars, they're not only taste great, they're not only like a delicious treat, but they're actually good for you. 17 grams of protein in most of the bars, only 130 calories, four grams of sugars, and only four grams of net carbs. So... Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, let's now talk about, the. they're the three guys who were in the top six and then the Nets didn't have another top 100 player. And that's just the way it goes when you're so heavily focused on those star players and those top end guys that, the other guys just aren't going to have the same amount of value. Joe Harris comes in next. He played 31 minutes tonight, which probably, when you look at it, it's probably a little bit low. Um, 23 fantasy points. He is not a 12-team must rostered points league guy. I, I don't know how many times I've stressed that during the year. Not someone that needed to be drafted or rostered. 113 thing categories, but realistically, he's just a three-point specialist. 14 points, over three threes. That's really nice, but three and a half boards, under two assists, 0.7 steals, 0.9 blocks. 51 from the field is good, but there's no volume. 78 from the line is okay, but there's no volume. And actually, it's weird how bad of a free throw shooter he is in comparison to his three pointers. If your league counts three point percentage, he probably drops jumps another 40% because he hit 47, 40 spots. He, cause he hit 47% from three. Just an absolutely special three point shooter. I know he had some foibles in the playoffs, but as a regular season three point shooter, he's consistently great and if you need those 3s then you can draft him late but really you're not getting anything else out of Joe Harris as a player or as a fantasy contributor that it's just too easy. Now, I don't really see his role changing at all heading into next season he's still going to be doing uh still going to be doing his thing still going to be out there uh, bombing in threes, that's what he does. Great mover, great perimeter guy, great catch and th- shoot three-point shooting. I-, I don't really see how anything changes with Joe Harris as we uh, as we move forward. The advanced stuff, defensively, he's not ideal, but he's not a complete disaster. Interestingly, Raptor and uh, RPM actually like his defense, and Raptor loved his defense for some reason. He was in the 99th percent, not Raptor, real plus minus, loved it. 99th percentile defensively, that- that's a bit iffy to me. Um, but otherwise, yeah, pretty strong stuff. He's scoring. We know how elite it is. Um, you, know, you look at his work off screens, 1.1 points per uh, possession, obviously great. As a spot-up man, Yeah, 99th percentile, 1.32 points. None of this is surprising to know that Joe Harris is an excellent, excellent three-point shooter. Um, we just don't get anything else much from him, unfortunately. Let's talk about this bloke, DeAndre Jordan. Um Frustrating the way he's been used the last couple of years. And by that, I mean they've used him because he's KD's mate. And that's why he was brought in and he was played, being played over superior players. He did lose his role to Jarrett Allen, rightfully so. So that was a good move from Steve Nash. And then Allen got traded and Jordan came back in. And then he lost his role again and didn't even play in the playoffs because he is not good anymore. Jordan averaged 22 minutes a game. 22 fantasy points. He was 171st in category leagues. He had 76 field goal percentage, which is absolutely massive, but he's just not very good. A block per game, 50% from the line. That's really regressed. Seven and a half boards. That's fine in 22 minutes, but he's 33. He's not someone that we can have any sort of value in for fantasy games. He's a backup. He's super Dwight Howard at this point. He's a backup center. And again, on this Nets team who didn't really have a functional center, or didn't want to play with one, he just wasn't the guy that they wanted to use. He just wasn't out there. I think that they look to offload him if they can in, in a trade. Really good rebounder. finishes well. But I, I don't really know. Well, I do know he doesn't do anything else at all. And defensively, he is significantly overrated. In fact, he's not, I don't think, I don't think he's very good defensively at all. Um, despite the reputation that he might have, I, I just I just don't see him as being a, a good defender at this point. Um, Some of the metrics did like him defensively. I'm not sure I really buy into that. The Raptor had him negative on defense, which I think he's right. Um, But LeBron did really like his defense. I'm I'm a bit skeptical of that one. Overall, his impact wasn't too bad in those advanced numbers. Again, Raptor actually hated him. And I tend to think that Raptor can be or is the most... um, The one that I not rely, rely upon is the wrong word, but the one that I probably put the most stock in, given if you go and read the methodology of it, it is really, uh, it does seem like it it, um, probably provides the most uh, insight into a player's value. EPM is another one that I like quite a bit. And he was a negative on that as well, negative 0.7. But yeah, really strong true shooting and uh, rim numbers, of course, and, and great rebounder but just doesn't do a huge amount else. And that's pretty much, you know, who DeAndre Jordan is at this point. Let's talk about the shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, doo, 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 doo. A revelation. Now, I really liked Bruce Brown in Detroit and I didn't like the way that Dwayne Casey used him, which is you know, not a surprise. I don't like the way Dwayne Casey uses a lot of players. But really didn't like his misuse there. But for the Nets to turn Bruce Brown, who was a point guard shooting guard in Detroit, into a power forward center at six foot five, is astonishing. 22 minutes a game. He was 175th in category leagues. He went through multiple stretches of being a must roster player. He went to 56% from the field. And last year, he shot 44. His two pointers went from 47 to 59. His threes actually dropped from 34 to 27. So he just became a guy that he just finishes at the rim. That's what he does now. He rolls and he finishes at the rim. And he was excellent at it. Like he filled that role amazingly. 65% at the rim up from 51%. True shooting up to 60 an elite defensive player as well, in my opinion, although the advanced numbers don't particularly love him. I think they bring him back as a restricted guy. I can see those 22 minutes perhaps going up next year in, in more of a steady 25 to 26 minute a night roll. But I don't really see him as anyone who's going to be or should be considered as some sort of must roster player. But a really good defender, a really good um, uh, rebounder, a really good you know, screen setter. Um, really good steals sort of player who showed an ability to get blocks. The threes, I'm not really sure we're ever going to get there for him, but uh, just a guy that was super impressive in his role. And you can look at how the advanced stuff loves him. Yeah, look, 83rd percentile Lebron, 76th in Raptor, and this is for Bruce Brown, my guys. Like nobody would have been impact looking at this impact. They got him for John and Musa. Ugh. Yeah, I know he wouldn't have had this role in Detroit, but. Hated the trade at the time and uh, it looks way worse now than what it did at that point. Offensively, there's still a lot to go. He's still a lot to work on. Putbacks, he's, he's really high there. As a roll man, good numbers, but he can't really do much else. But that's elite true shooting for a bloke that can't shoot. Steals and blocks, rebounds, you he can be really good at that from a fantasy perspective, but there's just not going to be enough value, I don't think, for him to be someone we look at as a draftable player, but he will be on and off rosters, uh, fantasy rosters, throughout the course of the season. Of, of that, I am assured. Blake Griffin came across after a gigantic buyout with the Detroit Pistons. You know how much I despise buyouts. I think they are one of the worst things in the NBA, um, but it happened. Blake Griffin joined the the Nets. I won't say he was necessarily a difference maker, but he started at center for them on the second best team and probably the, the title favorites before they were bundled out. Um, so that's an impact that you can get for free. He played 26 minutes a night outside the top 150 for points leagues, averaged 23 fantasy points. Outside the top 185 for category leagues, he was being drafted in the top 100. He's just not the same guy anymore. He's 32. He averaged 11, 5, and 3. He got 0.7 steals. He shot 42 and 74. And the shooting numbers for Griffin, they've just fallen way off. And we say, oh, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll come back. I think it's like three years now where the shooting has just been really bad or at least two years. Mid-range, he hit at 25%. He is in his mid-range at over 30% in three years. His three-point percentage has fallen way down from a guy that was 36 three years ago. It was 34 this year, so not terrible, but his elite rebounding has fallen off. His passing on this team is never going to be given an opportunity to shine with Harden, Kyrie, and KD handling the ball. He's never been a good defensive guy in terms of defensive stats. So it is going to be hard, I think, for Blake Griffin to you know, to improve those numbers. It, what I, I do think he's back. I do think they wouldn't want to play him as much as they did in the playoffs. Um, You put him in as a sometimes starter who plays 22, 23 minutes a night during the regular season. I think that's fair enough for Griffin. I think that's probably going to be his ideal role. And he can be a streamer if you're looking for occasional scoring in fantasy and more so in points leagues than category leagues. I just don't think that he needs to be any sort of uh, draftable player. But he's shooting, again, back to 34% after a real down year. Nice finisher. Um, he can pass, but it, that's not what he's being asked to do, really, in Brooklyn. Um, defensively, he's still a problem. He's not great. He also wasn't bad this year. I think he was just probably about average defensively. The advanced metric, metrics did think he, he was pretty impactful. Raptor really liked him at a plus 2.2 this season, just filling in the gaps of what was needed on this, uh, on this Nets team. and I think he did that at a relatively high level. Let's talk about Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. Who, um, like Griffin, again, just sort of filled a role. And he's one of those guys that has these moments where he comes out and he can put up you know, solid numbers for a stretch of two, three games. And you go, oh, wow, like Jeff Green, here we go. And then he falls way off. Now, Green's going to be 35. He was the 203rd ranked player in category leagues. He was 20th, or sorry, 204th, averaging 20 points in points leagues. He averaged this season 11, four, and one and a half assists. And what he does is just everything at a below average level. The shooting is all right, the 49%, but doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks, doesn't hit threes, doesn't rebound, doesn't get assists, scores all right. But there's nothing really there from Jeff Green that's particularly exciting, I wouldn't have thought. And while I do think he does return for another season, it's just going to be in that similar role where maybe he has a stretch of being a top 120 player Maybe he doesn't also. yeah, Defensively, he can be okay. I don't think that he was particularly good this season. He was more just a bit of an offensive boost, a small ball center, which obviously they used quite a bit this year, and he filled that role rather well. The advanced stuff doesn't particularly like him, so there's nothing that really stands out there that makes me go, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting, but 62 true shooting does. That's really exciting. Uh, I don't know why I say exciting, but points per possession, ninety-six percentile. That's really good. You know, his spot-up stuff, his roll man, his post-up work. His off-screen work, he did really have some you know, positive moments. But again, from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't really translate to good numbers. Now, this is where I think most of the interest is going to lie in the back half of this podcast, and that's talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. One of the most interesting blokes in the entire league. He played three games this year before suffering a partial ACL tear. He only played 21 minutes, and he was never going to be a good option on this team, especially after uh, they acquired James Harden. That just wasn't going to be uh, anything that he was going to do because he's not as good as Kyrie or KD. Or Harden, they were just going to minimize him. Simple as that. He averages 18 points, fantasy points in those uh, three games. He was outside the top 200 for category leagues. He averaged seven and four on 38% shooting. Now, let's get one thing straight. He is not a good shooter. He will go to another team next year. He will almost definitely get a boost in minutes. Now, look at what he did the year before, 19, 20, where Kyrie missed most of that year. He played 31 minutes a night. He averaged 21 points. He hit two threes with seven assists, but he shot 42 and 78, including 31% from three. So while he will get he will score and get really good usage on a new team, I would guess, he will get really solid assist numbers. He's a very low steals player. He gets no blocks. He's a bad rebounder. He's a bad three-point shooter. And he's a subpar free throw guy or, or average at best free throw guy. So while we might get excited about him going to a new team, I would look back at what he did last season for the Nets and go, well, this is not quite best case, but it's not far off. A 29 usage season with seven assists, thirty-one minutes, maybe he plays thirty-two or thirty-three next year. I think we need to be a little bit cautious about overvaluing what Spencer Dinwiddie can do from a fantasy perspective. This is not to say that, that he can't be good and he won't be significantly better than he is than he was this season, because yeah, that that's that's pretty obvious. He he will be significantly better than that heading to a new team. But what he is, is a a pretty solid defender who doesn't generate stats. um, A pretty solid uh, or really good passer and and a good scorer, but the shooting um, has shown to be problematic for him over the course of his career. Hard to judge too much of his advanced metrics this year just because, again, he barely played. But he is a player who is going to find himself, I think, in in a full-time role. But remember, he did it last year. He played a 29-usage, 31-minute role as a starter for basically all of last season. So we do have somewhat of a blueprint for what he's going to be able to do in that scenario. Let's talk Nick Claxton, who is a guy that I really like as a player. Now, basically, he's barely played throughout his career. He played, um, what, 32 games this year, barely played as a rookie injuries to the beginning of the year to his knee was a real concern. Um, Never fully got going. I thought it was pretty ludicrous the way that Nash handled him at times. You're giving Jordan minutes or Green or even Griffin minutes over Claxton and then didn't play him very much in the playoffs at all. Those numbers aren't particularly inspiring. 19.5 fantasy points, 235th in category leagues. But I think what he does do yeah, he averaged yeah, seven and five with 1.3 blocks in 18 minutes. Yeah, he should be playing 26 to 27 minutes an night. And I do think with a healthy offseason coming, he's 22 years of age. I do think we can see a real big step forward for Nick Claxton next year. Would he be a must draft player? I don't know that until we hear some more stuff about how this team's going to get constructed. But he's absolutely someone that I'd take a crack at, you know, grabbing with your last pick. Gr- really good defender, can switch, good um, rim protector, good finisher. Can't shoot, I like, can't shoot at this point, but I, I really like what he's able to do defensively. And I think they should be looking to involve him more as a good pick and roll partner, as a good switchable defensive guy. And they should be trying to integrate him as that fifth member of the starting five. Uh, look, LeBron loves him. 1.8, 91st percentile. Raptor, plus 4.4, 94th percentile. 98th percentile defensively on Raptor. 98th percentile on LeBron. Like the advanced metrics absolutely love what he does defensively. They're not as high on him offensively, and there's a lot of work to go there. But you know, true shooting 61, he's relatively efficient at what he does. Putbacks, dump offs, that sort of stuff, pick and roll stuff. Pick and roll, roll. He does need some work on that, but I think he can get better. I do think that while I won't be drafting him in the top 100, a top 100 finish for him is absolutely a gigantic possibility. If they say, well, he's playing 27 a night, 11 and 9. Two blocks, 62% shooting, a steal, an assist maybe. That's a really possi- It's really a big possibility for Nick Claxton. Let's talk about Landry Shaman, who is literally one of the worst fantasy players in the NBA. He is much better than that as a real life guy, but he just, for all of the talk, he's working on being a point guard now and look at him working in the pick and roll and look at him doing this. He just gives nothing, like nothing. 23 minutes, nine points. The two threes are really good. rebounds, 1.6 assists, half a steal, 41 and 85 on no free throw attempts, true shooting 58%. That's all well and good, but he's just a bad fantasy player. Maybe he gets traded at some point, and I still think that you force feed 30 minutes into him that he doesn't crack the top 100. He is a bad fantasy player, and I don't see that changing. He can be a better real-life player, but he also is streaky, and he's also really, really poor defensively. And... You know, for where he was picked in the draft, it's an absolute success. And as an NBA role player, really good. But I just I don't see any real fantasy scalability in what he's able to do. I just don't see that as being a distinct possibility. Great shooter, great mover, can finish. The passing's all right. It defensively, I think he's rough as shit, like really, really bad on that end. And the advanced stuff doesn't love him. LeBron hates him, in fact, negative 1.8 because of how bad they think his defense is. Raptors, not quite as harsh, but overall, not looking particularly good. Offensively, his box score numbers, look at his LeBron box, 80th percentile. I mean, just the box score numbers, they love him. But if you impact, you look at uh, actually impact and on-off stuff combined with LeBron, it drops him way down because the teams have just been way worse with him on the floor, even offensively, which is very, very interesting. I guess because he, he can't really do much to create for himself or to create for others, which which can be a concern. Let's look at Alize Johnson now, who is one of those blokes who comes in. He has these games. I think he had a twenty and twenty game this season, and people go, "Hey, they they can do it, guys. These young and upcoming, they will find that spot for him. I'm picking him up everywhere." And these the these is not me making this up. These are not straw man arguments. These are things that literally get commented to me. Ah, oh, Josh. They'll make it work. He can't get a twenty and twenty game without being good. He's got plenty of minutes to get there. Well, no. He averaged ten minutes a game in eighteen games. He averaged five and five with 0.3 blocks. He shot fifty nine percent from the field. He hit all of his free throws, and that's all well and good. And he had some really, really big games. If we have a look, what he did, he had a twenty and twenty-one game. He had a twenty-three and fifteen game. He had a nice twelve and seven game. But that, that's it. Like he just—he's he, not good enough to play every game. He's 25 years of age, so he's not particularly young. Now, I still, okay, I've still, i seen his numbers for a long time. I go, shit. If this guy gets an opportunity to play minutes, he will put up huge numbers. The problem is, he's just not good enough to be getting those minutes, and that is what's always, I think, going to hold him back from being a fantasy star. But if he ever finds himself in that situation where shit, we have to give Alizé Johnson 29 minutes a night, then yeah, yeah, he's an absolute must-roster player in that circumstance. It's an unrealistic circumstance, but it is a circumstance that could happen. Great rebounder, good finisher. Um, I wouldn't say he's particularly great defender. I think he's all right as a defender, Um, but just elite efficiency type numbers, elite rebounding type numbers. That is where his bread is buttered. 17.5 rebounds per 75 possessions. That's where it all comes from, from Alizé Johnson. And and I'm just not convinced that he is any sort of future starter in the NBA or anything like that. Put Mike James in here as the next guy to look at. 13 games, 18 minutes a game. But when called on, to, you know, replace Kyrie and Harden as a backup. I thought he stepped up ahead of say Tyler Johnson and played pretty well. 17 Yahoo points per game. He averaged four assists. He's a really solid finisher around the rim. Um I wouldn't say that he's great and you know if he was forced into a long-term starting role because of multiple injuries, would I get excited by it? I don't I don't think so. But I also know that he can be capable in that time to be a, a solid enough uh, shooter and solid enough mover and solid enough passer as well. And he has some really flashy finishes at times. And I thought, yeah, you know, for what they were able to do, bring him in mid-season, they should bring him back and really settle him in there as that not necessarily new Spencer Dinwiddie, but someone who can handle the, the point guard role if, uh, if that um, necessity comes up. The last guy I'm going to look at in depth here is Reggie Perry, just because he's a young player who was a second-round draft pick. He played 26 games, eight minutes a game. He showed some flashes. There was a time at the start of the year where Jordan was shit house, where Claxton was out, where Griffin wasn't on the team, Lamarcus Aldridge wasn't on the team, of course. Um, we know he retired. Perry showed some things. I thought he was all right out there. Three points, three rebounds, 42 and 77. Like, nothing there particularly sparkles from Reggie Perry. I, I just think that he showed enough to say, I'd like to bring him back and maybe best-case scenario, he develops into a Jermichael Green. Yeah, the shooting's nowhere near there yet, but defensively, I think he's okay. Rebounding, I think he's all right. I do think there are some things for him that, that can you know, at least develop into somewhat of a big man who is a rotation-caliber player. The advanced stuff didn't really, really like him. Offensively, LeBron liked him a bit, but everything else was pretty down on him. I just thought he was an interesting player to um to consider, at least in those deeper dynasties. I think he could in two years' time, he can work himself into a back-end rotation role somewhere. The other players I didn't really touch on here, Tyler Johnson, Lwawu Cabro, and Chris Chiotza. They're not guys who I ever think are going to push into any sort of larger roles. Um, the youngest player there is Chiotza, who's in a 25 and a half. So not guys, I think, that need huge amounts of, uh, of talking about. And we've already been going pretty long on this podcast. So don't forget follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Give it a thumbs up on YouTube. Leave a comment down below. Share it. Tell your friends. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.